Welcome back, everybody. Rooted in the Logos Podcast, episode number 102. My name is Brad. I'm joined again by my dear friend, Austin. Austin, how you doing, brother? I am here. <laughs> it seems like that's a common answer for us. Uh, it just, man, things just, they don't stop. When it rains, it pours. Things don't really stop. I mean, not as dramatic as other events have been in the past, it which is, is good. Is true. But, I mean, both of us just dealing with, you know, job issues and not to get into detail, but job issues and what job issues, it, right? And il- illnesses within the families and house guests and just all kinds of just kind of things that you're like, huh, that's not what we expected. Wrenches, wrenches, wrenches and plants. Uh, someone outside cutting grass. That's that's a thing. Uh, hopefully that doesn't last too long. And we're recording on a different setup today because I keep losing SD cards. So I'm not sure what's happening with our recorder, but it's fine. Also, real quick, not a super edited episode. We are going to have to uh, put this one out as we, you know, as we go. It's going to be fine. They, so they, don't, they don't even have to know. That. They don't even have to know. Well, they they will because it's we we um a lot and I take those out when I edit. But anyway, so we're gonna episode 102. Five star review on Apple, Spotify. Find us on social medias. Interact with us. We have a couple. Uh, Ideas we've been talking about, about maybe some advertising that we want to do in the near future. So we'll get into that once we get some stuff hammered out. And we're excited for that. We're excited to see where this thing goes and next 100 episodes. Yeah. See what happens. So this week, we're going to take our third look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're going to finish it up, verses 17 through 25. Very exciting stuff. I mean, honestly... I'm excited to get back to the scripture. We, we oh, took yeah. like three weeks off. We've done a couple episodes on head coverings, which is scripture based. A couple episodes on head coverings and our 100th episode, where we just kind of just had a discussion. Yeah. Go check those out if you haven't done so. Pretty cool stuff. I think we uh, think we did a good job on those. So good feedback, at least, on the 100th episode yeah. from my dad. So shout out, dad. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we're going to jump into First Timothy. Chapter 5, verse 17. Austin, get us going. Yeah, just kind of a a brief rundown. Uh, Chapter 5, we're talking about not rebuking the older older man or or the older woman uh, coming to them as a father and mother, um, coming to the younger brother and sister as a brother and sister. Um, But then we get into what to do with widows and who should be a widow and who should not be a widow and and what do we do versus what do we not do? Uh, so from there, we get back into elders. We're going to talk about elders. And not not elderly, but the actual position of elders. Within the Office church. of the elder of the church, yeah. Uh, so verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says... You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God, and of Christ Jesus, and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging. Do nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part of the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. 
The sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not, now remain hidden. This so ends the fifth chapter of Timothy. This is the reading of God's word. Praise be to God. So, yeah, diving right back in, just going up, kind of like we do. If you aren't familiar with our format, we read, we read the section we're going to cover, and then we jump back into that first verse, and we just kind of go verse by verse and break it down. We, we discuss it. We kind of discuss ramifications. What is Paul actually trying to tell us and tell Timothy when he's reading this? So verse 17, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So, obviously, the big question for verse 17 what in the world does it mean that they are worthy of double honor? What is double, what is honor? double honor? So let's get into that. Yeah. Obviously, we're like I said, we're talking about the elders of the church, right? The office of elder, bishop, overseer. Yeah, so going back to look, looking at just the, uh, the fifth commandment, you know, honor your father and mother for you will either live long in the land or you will do well in the land. Um, so this is talking about an appointed elder within the church and those who are worthy of double honor. Um, so we, we got a couple things here. Uh, finishing it out, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Okay, so you have this ox treading out the grain. He's in a, a mill and he's milling the grain. Um... It is saying, do not muzzle, don't put something over his mouth as he's treading, and basically give him free reign. Whenever he's walking around treading it out, making it into flour, he can dip down and eat some as he goes. So, okay, looking at application, applicability of this within the church, what does this mean? So within the church we have... Uh, Especially now, we have multiple different positions when it comes to eldership. Um, the The pastor is also known as an elder, mm -hmm. so that would be considered your your preaching elder or your your main um, counselor. And then you have other elders who would be teaching, or they're just there for counseling. Um, so depending on how that works, sometimes you have a pastor that he does everything. He's not only preaching, he is counseling. He is um, doing Bible studies throughout the week. He, he's doing all of it. And all the elders are there for is basically emotional support yeah. or just spiritual support for the pastor. Um, but then you have in other churches where the, the elders, they are teaching. They're teaching every week, multiple times a week, multiple Bible studies throughout the, the church. They, they're counseling people left and right. Um, a lot of times what you'll see is they will divide the church if the, the church has way too many people. Not saying that too many people is a bad thing. But when you do have too many people, it's hard to keep track of everyone. And especially for the pastor, the, it's just too many people to, to keep in contact and have a relationship with. Right. So what you'll do is you'll have elders kind of split up the church and say, okay, these 20 families... It's your responsibility to incur relationship and you're counseling them. Uh, this elder is taking these 20 families. And, and sometimes that works pretty well too. And then depending on counselship, you know, say you have premarital. Um, 
don't know, one, one elder may be better at, at than another, or you have another going through divorce, or um, you have a domestic dispute, whatever it may be within the church, that's what it's for. Here it's talking about the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So as I read this, I lean towards your pastoring, the, the one who is pastoring, the preaching, the teaching, and he's ruling well, as in his counsel is good. People are coming to him for counsel and he's ruling well. He is preaching, um, not just preaching on, say, a Sunday pulpit, but he is teaching throughout the week. So what does this look like in, in today where he is worthy of double honor and basically not to starve him? Yeah, it is. It's He needs to be well compensated yeah. for, for what he's doing. I mean, you know, you, you especially I, I like that Paul kind of specifies this, especially in preaching and teaching. Yeah. Preaching, admonishing, like getting up there and admonishing people with God's word and, and, and preaching over them the truth of scripture and preaching over them true doctrine and sound doctrine and also a, a call to repentance and a call for for right living. Yeah. And then teaching. And I think at one of, there's another translation, I think it's New American Standard that uses the word uh, doctrine. Mm. Yes. Where he is, he's also teaching doctrine. Yeah. This is where... No, your pastor needs to be pouring himself over the scriptures. Yes, he needs to be diving into it, going deep. He needs to know it backwards. I mean, obviously, he's not going to know it perfectly because he's human, but he needs to know scripture. Yeah. He needs to be able to teach. It. He needs to be able to safeguard his church, his flock, mm -hmm. the people that he is pastoring from heresy, from these winds of false doctrine, from these things that derail a church and divide a church and lead them to put up rainbow flags in the month of June. Like, a strong pastor who knows the word of God, who is doing what Paul is talking about here, won't let that happen in his church. It won't happen under his watch. Exactly. He's not going to let it happen. It's not, it's not an option. Yeah. And his congregation wouldn't even think to do it because of the teaching and preaching that he does. So he is worthy of that double honor. He needs to be well compensated. Yeah. Doesn't mean he has to be rich and wealthy and drive a Bentley, right? <laughs> or have all these expensive watches and houses. Hold on, Brad. Hold on. So what you're saying? So what you're saying is Joel Olstein is not allowed to be driving what he's driving. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not allowed. I'm just saying it's not necessary. It's not. It's not what Paul's getting at here. He's not saying pay this man an exorbitant amount of money. Right. It is legitimately like. He, he needs to be able to take care of his family and provide for his family right. and himself yeah. uh, with the money he gets from the church. So I, that, I am all for it. I, I'm all for, obviously, pastors having salaries, right. I, I, making a good living. I mean, again, I do question some of the ones that do drive the Bentleys. and the, Maybe they write books, Unless and they sell a lot of books, a good, right? Uh, what is it called? Uh, Investment portfolio. Right, or they're <laughs> selling houses on the side. Right, Real yeah, estate. of course. Okay. But yeah, your pastor should be pouring his heart into his people, but mainly into Scripture. Yeah. That way he can safeguard his congregation and the people that God has entrusted him with from all the heresies and all the nonsense that's out in the world. Right. Because, I mean, obviously I alluded to it a minute ago, It we're right smack dab in the middle of Pride Month when we record this. And 
<laughs> again, a good pastor is not going to have that pride flag in his in his church. He's he's not going to. That's not going to be a thing. He's not going to be at pride rallies marching with them. Of course, Unless yeah. Preaching against them. No, right, I'm saying marching with them right, and, yeah. and being involved. Like it's the, the churches that do that are just it blows my mind blows because yeah. they are just not they're not practicing this. They do not deserve double honor exactly. because they are not preaching and teaching sound doctrine. Yeah, yeah, it, and that's it. Um, I and I would even take a step further to say, okay, your pastor, your your lead pastor, you know, he's preaching teaching. You're, you're paying him a salary. If you have an elder who is doing just as much, I would even take that step and say, pay him a stipend as well. Again, it doesn't have to be crazy, but what is the point? The point and the reason why you pay your pastor is so that he does not have to go work the 40-hour job. Also, pouring into Scripture 40 hours a week, Right. So now he has an 80-hour-a-week job, two jobs, and he's pouring into your soul. This and is, his family. And his family, yeah. So, Somebody's getting neglected there. Exactly. What this does is <laughs> it affords this man to pour into the scriptures. Well well, well said, child. Well said. There's kids all over the place okay. out there. We're fine. Okay. <laughs> Well said. It, it, it allows the, the pastor to, to pour into the scriptures. Therefore, throughout the week leading Bible studies or on, on Sundays, he is able to take everything that he has learned and pour into his congregation. And this also allots the men in the church congregation that can't spend this much time in scripture. He is able to take what he's learned and do all the seminary type stuff, all, all the Greek and the Hebrew, and all the laymen don't have to because right. the pastor is doing the pastor's it. Doing it. That's why you're paying him like this. Exactly. Um, now, interesting, going back to double honor, because I, I do take it as a, a, a twofold thing. One, yes, you're paying the man, but honor. You know, uh, scripture also says, um, outdo one another in showing mm -hmm. honor. Uh, give honor to whom honor is owed. And in here, it's, well, honor is owed to this man, and not just a normal sum of honor, but double portion. Yeah. So it's like, okay, what does this mean? In a, in a practical sense, not just money, but in a physical sense, to where, okay, how do you show honor to, to people? But in this sense, how do you show honor to a man? How do you show honor to your elder? Um... And, and I think it also goes along with um, not not muzzling him. So, like, you're inviting him to your house. Right. You are making things available, um, food. You know, your wife is, is cooking food for his family and himself. Um, you are making yourself available, as well as everyone else in the church, for the needs of the pastor yeah. and his family. Absolutely. And, and you are showing him the honor, saying, I so much appreciate what you do. And the way you are letting God and God is using you to where it's like, how can how can I help you make it easier? And it it I also think too it goes to, a little bit to your behavior as well. It, it's yeah. you know you're, you're you're make you are fighting actively fighting to preserve unity within the church. Yeah, you're not sowing you know you're, you're sowing discord. That sounds so official. You're not gossiping. You're not 
oh, did you hear what the pastor said? I can't believe he did this. I can't believe. If you have an issue, go to him, right? Like if there's something that you think he said that was wrong, something that upset you, something that offended you, probably it's your problem. Maybe not. Maybe he mm-hmm. did say something that was off. But it might be your issue. But no, like go to him and talk to him. Don't back – show him the respect to say, hey, this upset me. Can we right. talk about it? Yeah. Instead of going and talking to Jimmy Lou over here saying, hey, Jimmy Lou – Weird name. Uh, Why'd you bring Jimmy up? Man? I don't know. Poor Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, did you hear what the pastor said? That really upset me. Oh yeah, I'm upset too. Oh, I'm upset too. Let's all get upset together. Yeah. Like that's that's not showing him honor. Showing him honor is saying, Pastor, this upset me. Can you explain yourself? Can you explain it a little bit more? Let me explain why it upset yes. me. Maybe maybe there's some disconnect here, and we can figure it out. Exactly. He would love. By the way, he your pastor would be floored if someone did that. He would be floored. And if he doesn't, then he may not be. Um, worthy of double. Well, yeah, I mean, he's going to respond. He should respond well. He should. But I'm saying he should be. He'll, he'll be floored because that probably doesn't happen a whole lot. We right. tend to just gossip instead. Well, another way is <laughs> okay. Say you're at this church and you hear something you don't like, and instead of gossiping, you just leave. Yeah, that is very dishonoring towards this pastor. If you disagree, it is it is your job to go and say okay. I don't agree. This is why, or I just don't understand. Please show me. Like right. Said. Yeah. Exactly. It's very dishonoring just to up and leave and not say a thing. Not to say him. a word. Because yeah. then the pastor notices you're gone, and it's like, what happened? What happened? Yeah. Uh, they didn't tell me anything. They just up and left. I hope everything's okay. So yeah. But it. So this is good. I think this is a good segue into the next part. So uh, verse nineteen. Do not admit a charge against an elder, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So, okay, you have the same scenario. You have this this one who uh, thinks they said the pastor said something unbiblical or whatever, whatever that may be, and just leaves. Okay, you have that side. Then that that happens a lot. They don't agree, so they just leave. Versus the other side of they go to him, and they're accusing him of something. Well, okay, what is what is this saying? It says, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So, okay, we'll start just one point of, okay, he is saying something unbiblical, but you're the only one who heard it. And you go and confront him, and he, he denies it or whatever, says that's not what it meant, whatever, okay. Well, there's not much you can do there. You, you take him for his word, love leaves all things, and hopefully he, he corrects it and goes goes to what Scripture says. But then say, okay, it's on the pulpit, and he says something, and he, you and other people are looking around like, ah, that's, that's, that's kind of scary. That's actually not supposed to be in there. I mean, you, you go to a Joe Olstein concert, or a <laughs> Stephen Furtick concert, yeah. uh, you will hear things. And so you you go to him with two or three witnesses and say, hey, uh, you said this. Can you clarify or or what? And so they either clarify it or say, no, actually, that's, that, yeah, that's what I meant. And this also kind of alludes back to Matthew 18, uh, where Jesus is talking about church discipline, yeah. where it is. It's, it needs to be two or three more, two, two or three witnesses. And, and I think... You know, it's not placing the elder necessarily above an accusation that that is true. Right. It, it's protecting the elder from 
nonsense, exactly. right? If done, if done properly, yeah. is protecting the elder from just frivolous nonsense. Someone gets mad and says, "I'll show him," and makes makes something up. Right. It protects him from that because it's like, no, no, we're going to investigate this, and we're, we'll investigate, we'll take whatever seriously. But there needs to be a corroboration here between right. multiple people, not just one person who may or may not have an ulterior motive or an agenda. Exactly. That's negative. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, it's, it needs to be a legitimate investigation. And you know what? If it's found to be true, we move on to verse 21. Yeah. Or, sorry, verse 20. Verse if, yeah, if it, if it ends up being true, we move on to verse 20. And what does verse 20 say? As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. Ooh. But this hurts my feelings. Nah. Yeah, Brad, well, this doesn't sound like Jesus. Right, Jesus. Jesus wouldn't do this. He, condo- he condones all behavior, as exactly. long as we're happy. And that's not how you love people. <laughs> no, no, this is how you love people. And what this is, is, yeah, okay, like, we're giving an example. Okay, you have a pastor or an elder who has been caught in a, uh, a marital affair. You know, they're... they're pretty common, honestly. Pretty common, yeah, especially, especially in big churches. Um... And you have multiple people who have seen it and they know. They have gone to the elder and said, hey, brother, we, have proof. we love you. What you're doing is wrong. You need to repent. You need to confess. You need to come back. And he says, uh, no. What I'm doing? No, I'm fine. I'm or not, or I'm just great. doesn't admit it. Or, or even says, that, yeah, no, that's not true. Yeah. Like, bro. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, anyway. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So, then what happens is... Then you go to the congregation. You go to the congregation on a, my my opinion, based on scripture, is the best way to do this in front of a congregation is on a Sunday morning when the congregation I've is seen there. it done once. It's it's something. It's intimidating. Yeah. And what, again, what is the point? Fear. Literally, that is the point. So that the rest may stand in fear. You are going to the entire congregation and saying... This is what we have done. We have gone to our brother Jim, and he is living in sin. Um, either A, you could get detailed, or not super detailed, but say he is living in an extramarital affair, or just he's living in sin. My opinion is you're being frank, and so you're telling him what the sin was, again, for fear. <clears throat> and you're saying uh, he is living in sin. He's not willing to repent and confess and he's not even willing to admit it whatever that may right. be and these are the consequences and the consequences may be we are not going to serve communion to him if he takes it he is what does corinthians 11 say he is taking uh, a drinking judgment upon himself on his on himself yeah. yeah we're not going to keep him away from the table but we're, we're not going to serve him um or we're excommunicating as in no you have to leave the church because Bad company corrupts good morals, and little leaven leavens the whole lump. And yeah. we have to get rid of this leaven. When it's unrepentant, and, and again, I want to make sure we understand this. When it's unrepentant, and as Paul says in First Timothy, persist in sin. Yes, it's not a oh man, I messed that up. Yeah, I I, I am sorry. I beg for forgiveness. I repent before God and before the congregation, before the elder, whoever brought it to him. They right. don't think what they did was wrong. Exactly. This is persistent, unrepentant, hardened heart type of, of, of activity. Yeah. Um, I told you I've seen it once. 
where where someone where it was brought to the congregation, the members of the church. It was it was a members meeting. It wasn't on a Sunday morning. It was a members only meeting that that Sunday, where they did they said this this brother is has been uh, having an extramarital affair. He is obviously not here. He's not repenting. Mm. He is no longer part of our church. And and he was he was dismissed yeah. and and not allowed not allowed back at the church as an unrepentant sinner. Yeah. Right. He 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 is allowed back if he repents and right. is. Which I've seen the last part of that happen at a church I was visiting when I was kind of trying to figure out where I was going to land. The last part of it was like my second time there at that church. A pastor who was who was fired and let, or let go yeah. from his position because of a porn addiction repented, stayed at that church, yeah. realized in, through his repentance and through his his counseling with the elders and with the group uh, with the people of the church. That he was he he was not saved to begin with, right. became a believer, and then that day I just happened to be there that 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 week, where he got baptized, yeah. in the church he was fired from. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Like that was one of the coolest things I've seen, and that's the success story of this side of the world, right? Where or this side of church discipline, right. where he does repent. Yes, there are still consequences. He lost his job. He he was no longer a a, a staff member of that church. But he was still a part of the church. He was getting restored. He was getting rebuilt. He got baptized. And he was a functioning member of that church again. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's yeah, that's awesome. And you just don't see that. But this that's exactly what this is alluding back to. It's going right back to Matthew 5. It is reiterating Jesus' words. Again, where we get that verse out of context, where two or more are gathered, there, there I am in your presence. It's about church discipline, boys and girls. Yep. And it's also about what we see here in 1 Timothy 5. Yeah. These three verses here. Well, and literally, okay, what's the very next verse? Verse 21. Where, going back to what Brad said, where two or three are gathered, there I am. Okay, verse 21. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging. Do nothing from partiality. Literally, he's saying when you are going to an elder, when you're going to a brother or sister living in sin, um, when you are doing these things, when two or three are gathered, I am there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and who else? The elect angels. Yeah. The angels that have not fallen right. with Satan, they are there. And I, I just, I, I love it. It's, it's legitimately just calling for, just be fair. Yeah. Be yeah. fair in this process. If there is a church discipline issue... Be fair. Don't prejudge. So don't go into it. I mean, I think in America we kind of take from this, supposed to at least, to. innocent until proven guilty. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the mindset I believe Paul's talking about we should have. Don't without, come with bias. Don't come with bias. Yep. He is innocent until we have evidence that he's not. Exactly. And and then when there is evidence to support the claims, don't show partiality. Don't don't be like I like this guy a lot. He's such a nice guy. Maybe we can go a little easier. Maybe we don't have to do this. Maybe we can do. Maybe we can sweep it under the rug. Maybe we just, yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Hold them to the standard. Man, but he's such a good preacher. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to lose that. Yeah. yeah. No. It is. It is. Be fair. Do it according to scripture. Right. Well, I, I even take this as, again, telling the people, Paul telling Timothy to tell the people who are going to be doing this kind of thing, telling Timothy, if he goes and does this, um, you're, you're addressing people for their sin. This is a reassurance of 
don't forget, God, the Father, and the Son, and all of the angels are there with you watching you. Mm. As in, there needs to be, be some fear in you as well. Yeah. Because if you are going into this, one, with a log in your eye, and telling your brother about the speck in, your, in his, you need to squash that. So let there be fear there. But also... If you're coming in it, like what you said, with any partiality, with any bias, with any presupposition, you should be fearful because if you're judging this man or this woman wrong, guess who's there watching? Right. And th- that is not... That's not where you want to be. That's not where you want to be. Yeah. It's, it is... Um, it, it, it is it's really tough because I, I do think, especially your elders and your pastor, especially if in a smaller church, you, you know them. Yeah. You, you eat with them. Right, you're at the, you're, you're at their house. They're at your house. Like it is, you know. Like I watch the Super Bowl with mine. Right, like yeah. I mean, you know this person very well, especially yeah. in a smaller church. It's probably a little different in bigger churches, but in a smaller church, you know, it's it's going to be hard to do this without bias. Yeah, you don't think that that church that that let their uh, music one of the music worship leaders go for infidelity. You don't mm-hmm. think that hurt them? Right, you know it did. Oh yeah. They've been together for a couple, a few years, I'm sure, as far as like as a church body doing life together, as they say, right, and doing ministry together. That hurt, and that had to be hard. But you have to go into it without that. You have to look at it through the lens of scripture, not through your personal lenses of "I love this guy." And it's actually because you love him, you go through it through, you do it through scripture. Exactly. It's because you love him. But it it, it that goes against our emotions and yeah. our feelings towards yeah. it. Well, and yeah, so with. Okay, say it goes full board, they're not repenting, and it comes to the excommunication, and you're asking them to leave. You are literally severing a body part yeah. off of the body of Christ. Now, here it's it's telling you to do that. And again, why? Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Um, this is just one of those things where it's like it has to be. I mean, done. obviously, I mean, just this thing about practically, you lose credibility as a church. When this is a known issue, exactly, and yet they're still up there teaching, right? Or they're still serving, or they're well, still doing this and that. Right. Bethel, yeah. I mean, look at all the allegations. All Hillsong, the... Hillsong. Hillsong. Hillsong, yeah. Hillsong, yeah. Thank you. Um, I don't like Bethel either, but Hillsong. This is Hillsong, right? They're demolished. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were demolished. Yeah. Everything, all the accusations that I, I guess turned out to be true because they went to court, and the guy's no longer there. Right. Multiple people are no longer there. And then you have this mass, mass exodus of the people who didn't want to be there anymore because of all this. Right. It's like, this is, uh, yeah, this is not a Getting out in front of it and dealing with it before it gets to that point saves a lot of heartache. Yes. I mean, it's still going to be still terrible. Gonna hurt. It's still going to hurt. Not going to enjoy it. Yeah. But it does. It saves some pain. It saves some suffering. And, and, and you do. You, you Again, you go through. What do we always say on this podcast? You do it God's way. It's a lot easier. Even I mean, it's not easy, like it, right. but it's a lot easier, yeah, right? It's, it's a lot better than the alternative. You might take the easy way out, but then you realize it's a lot harder on the back end. So, yeah, you go into verse 22, and it talks about, Do not be hasty in the laying of hands, in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. This is not about healing, right? right. This, uh, if, if I'm right, this is about ordaining new elders, new, new ministers, ordination. new pastors. Yeah. With... And doing so without a proper vetting process, yeah. without making sure a their life is is worthy of this calling, but also b 
they know what they're doing. Exactly. Like it's not just a, I don't know scripture, I don't know the Bible, I'm just going to get up there and really and just wing it. It's <laughs> right. a no, no. This guy knows what he's talking about. He, he's been trained, whether it's in seminary, whether that's just just training, right. life yeah. training, right? Yeah. He knows scripture backwards. He's he's ready to do this. Yeah. So that's what this is getting at is is not being quick to rush to say, okay, you're an elder, you're a pastor, you're you're this, because what happens? They end up falling, and that, yep. again, derails a church. Well, and what does it say? Nor take part in the sins of others, keep yourself pure. So, okay, logically here, if you are ordaining someone to be a pastor that is going to be spiritually leading these guys or women throughout the church, and you're doing it too hastily, that way you don't know if they're qualified or not, and they turn out not to be, and they're leading people astray, you are actually a part of that. You are taking part in that because you were too hasty ordaining them. Yeah. And so that's why I like seeing churches that are, say they, they have a, a man that they are wanting to look at it at eldership or deaconship or whatever that may be. It's a year-long process. It may even be more. Um, uh, there are a couple churches I know of that say just for deacon. You know, it was a year-long process vetting them watching them live their lives, uh, watching them with their families, and are they qualified or not. And then after that year of living life with them, to the point of, no, you don't just see them on Sundays and watch right. the front that everybody puts up on Sunday. Everyone's good on Sunday. Everyone's good on Sunday. Yeah, no, you see them throughout the week. You see how their children are acting at home. Um, it, it, you're able to do this without being hasty. Other times, you are watching these young men grow up in the church you saw them grow from uh children's church or hopefully no church or church because i don't believe that. <laughs> uh, but no you're seeing them grow to the point where it's like they they've been bred for this i have seen them grow up throughout bible studies throughout church they know the word of god now they're they're men with families doing what they're supposed to be doing it's like these guys are eldership material and we're, we're going to set them up to take this position. So, yeah, it's, it is not a, a quick thing where you see someone. It's like, hey, I want you to be elder. I don't know who you are. This guy's but... nice. Yeah, exactly. This guy was fun at VBS. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, he volunteered last year. I yeah. Thought, I think be great. yeah, it was wonderful. And, and, and again, too, you look at the, the, the phrase, take part in the, sin of other, in the sins of others, nor take part in the sins of Sorry. Nor take part. It's a very important word. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Nor take part in the sins of others. It, it's also not sweeping things under the rug. Exactly. It's all. It's it's when when you're going through this vetting process and you're saying, okay, we're going to be intentional about who we let lead this church. Yeah. You see something that's kind of glaring, or even something that's like mm, it's a little questionable. Look, investigate it. Yeah. Talk to that person. Talk. You know, think, do what it talks about in the first part of this chapter. Vet it. Yeah. See if it's real. Yeah. And if it's thing, don't just sweep it on the rug and say, oh, this guy's a really charismatic speaker. Right. We can overlook this. Right. Right? right. Yeah. No, you can't. Because, again, you lose credibility within the church. Yeah. The church itself loses credibility. And, and what what are we in short supply of right now as an American church? Man. Credibility. Oh, and men. <laughs> but, yeah, credibility, though, right? Yeah. Like, we, we are not looked at, especially... Uh, well, I don't know. That's a different topic. <laughs> like, I, 
we're just not looked at in high regard right now as as believers. And and yeah. part of that is expected persecution. Part of that is just the world thinking we're foolish. I understand exactly. that. But there's a part of it that's self-inflicted gunshot wounds, right? That's like true. things that we do to ourselves that are like, guys. Like, I mean, I mean, take Pride Month, for example, okay? I obviously, and Austin as well, we are not on board with this. No, we're not on board... No, with the Pride Month, with the Pride Flag, everything that it entails, we're not on board with. And, and that is very, I want to make that very clear. But we're also not on board with berating these people and, 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 and being hateful to them. Right. We're not on board with that either. And so there are these quote-unquote Christian groups that do that. Yeah. And that is a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Because what is that person not going to do then? Yeah, it's a deterrent. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to they're not gonna even consider it. Now, granted, God does what God wants. But we don't need to shoot ourselves in the foot when it comes to stuff like that. Being hateful for no reason. Yes, we don't agree with your lifestyle. Yes, we believe you need to repent and trust in Jesus. But also we love you. Oh, yeah. We value you as a a person. That's it. But we don't agree with you. I've worked for, you know, a a gay couple. And I, as as people... They were great. I loved working for them. Like, they were great to work for. They treated me very well. They uh, they were good, quote-unquote, good people. They also knew my beliefs. They also knew I did not agree with their lifestyle. Did that cause this big friction between us? No. Did it keep us from becoming, what, close? Of course. Yeah. Of course it does, because you're not, you're not supposed to be super close with unbelievers, right? But... They knew they had. There was a respect there. Right. I respected them as humans, right. as as image bear, broken image, image bearers image, of God. Exactly. Yeah. Didn't agree with their lifestyle. They knew it, but we could get along. Yeah. Because again, I treated them with that respect. I was not going to shoot myself in the foot and ruin any kind of witness I may have had with them. Right. Well, again, this all goes back to what are we talking about? Bringing accusations or bringing a charge against elders. Why? Because you love them. You're doing this, going to them saying, Brother, I love you, and what you're doing is wrong. And you're you're not either sinning against yourself and God, or sinning against yourself, someone else and God. Yeah. Either way, you're sinning against God. Um, quit. Quit it. Don't do it anymore. Stop. And you're making it worse. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and that's what we do. That's what we're trying to do with everybody. We, we look at them and say, I love you. God loves you. Repent. Repent for this. And Come to God, because He loves you and He He wants He wants you. So quit doing it. Yeah. So moving on. Moving on. Keeping yourself pure, and then we get we get into this little nugget right here. <laughs> and I it, it feels like it an odd, odd spot. It is in parentheses in mine. Is it in parentheses in yours? It is. Yeah. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. So. My studying, I, I don't know what was wrong with Timothy. I don't know if he had something major or simple or what, or if he had an allergy. I mean, honestly, let's let's be honest, let's be real here. In, in that time frame, a cold could kill you because there was no, right, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, and, and, and again, they know this kind of stuff. Yeah. They, they know the, the health benefits of wine. So they, they would say, yeah. Drink and some their wine. water might not have been very clean. That too, too. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Did I didn't too. say that. I don't know what you said. I don't. But I know what you meant. True, too. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> this is what happens when we try to not mess, mess up. We mess up a little bit more. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the, the water's not going to be necessarily the cleanest water in the world. They didn't have modern filtration. They had, you know, it may have been scarce. I don't, I don't really know. But he was in Ephesus. Uh, I don't know the the context. Yeah, either. yeah, I don't either. Yeah, but yeah. So, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach. For your, for your I mean, let's be. I mean, there are health benefits to, to ferment fermented grapes. Very much so. Yeah, it, it's interesting too. So even when we are preparing for uh, Passover, right? Um, Passover, it it actually lists the uh, the things that can ferment it, the leaven to get rid of out of the house. And mm -hmm. one that is excluded is wine. wine. Wine is a good fermentation. And again, it is good for you. Even, uh, so looking at mead, making honey mead, um, honey is just extremely good for you. Yeah, anyway. absolutely. But when you ferment honey, it has like 10 times the antibiotic personalities that it does with just normal honey. So you ferment that and turn it into a drink. It is really good for you. And so, yeah, Paul is just saying, yeah, drink some wine. It's going to help your stomach. It's going to help your frequent ailments. Now, it goes to the other side of how does he know that? Maybe he had some of it himself or just basic knowledge. Right. Yeah. But uh, this and, also and, goes to the alcohol conversation. Of course. And, and, of course, Paul's not saying, hey, lower your standards and drink what you want to right. drink. How much? Never mind. It's like be smart, have the high standards, to be above reproach, which we've talked about at length at this podcast numerous times be above approach but also it's going to help you so just within reason take a you know as he says a little wine right a, use a little wine yeah so well and so it, the other side too so no longer drink only water so does this mean that at some point paul told timothy only drink water maybe um maybe. that that could be very much a possibility um could it have been something that just Timothy did? He just only drank water and himself did not drink anything. I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if maybe like Timothy just avoided wine altogether to, to keep, and Paul's like, all right, maybe use a little bit because you're starting to get sick. Maybe. You know what yeah. I mean? Like maybe just use a little bit because you, you need it. You need a little bit of, you need to cure that stomach. You need to help, help whatever's going on in that gut. Go ahead and you're fine, dude. Like you're good. Don't over, don't overindulge. Right. You're good. Maybe maybe that I don't know. My mind kind of goes there. Yeah. Thinking maybe that's something that Timothy did. But well, yeah, and that's it because we we don't know. All we know is what we read, and there there could be a couple things here. So like for me, I can't definitively say. Oh yeah, at some of point, course. Paul said to Timothy, "Don't you drink wine in front of anybody and around anybody because of X Y Z." I I would lean personally for me. I would actually lean away from that knowing the rest of what scripture says about wine, knowing what the old Testament says about, um, making it, uh, making the heart of man merry. No, knowing that Jesus's first recorded miracle was keeping the party going by changing water into wine for the next seven days. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I don't really use this when it comes to the alcohol debate with yeah. scripture. Um, cause I, I do see this as just, this is a, an ailment. This is, Paul telling him to be healthy. There are good, really good enzymes in red wine that help the gut. So there's yeah. there's that. So verse 24, getting close to the end here. Actually, I'm pretty good time, too. The sins of some people are conspicuous, going mm. before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. 
Yes. Conspicuous. What does conspicuous mean? Obvious. Obvious. Very obvious. Uh, so. I mean, I think Paul's just stating kind of a simple fact here. And, and, and a caution, even, when it comes to elders, when it comes to, you know, uh, ordaining people to serve within the church. Some sin is going to be, you're going to see it. Oh, yeah. It's there. It's just, it's out there in the open. They're even boasting about it. And obviously those people are people you avoid when it comes to church leadership. Yes. However, there is some sin that are secret that you don't see that will catch you off guard. That will be like, oh, that is surprising. I mean, it maybe shouldn't be because we're capable of all kinds of evil, even the quote-unquote best of us. It's true. But it's secret. We are good. We talked about the facade that we put up on Sunday mornings. We are good at hiding things as Christians, as humans. We are good at hiding things. We are good at hiding our secret struggles. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is talking about. It, It is a, hey, be aware. People have secret struggles. Yeah. Well, that's why scripture also says to confess your sins to one another. Mm-hmm. Not in the, the Catholic sense where you go to a priest and confess to the priest so that you know you can go to God. But no, it's it's you're confessing to God. Yes, you've repented, you've confessed. But you're also going to a brother saying, I am dealing with this. And I've already confessed it, but I... I want to be open. Well, again, uh, it's, it's sharing each other's burdens. Yeah. This is a burden. It's no longer just a load. This is a burden. And yeah, you're confessing it to one another. And, and I think that helps out with this a lot because, yeah, are you going through life with hidden sin? Now, I, I think a really good example with this is, especially with men, pornography. Mm-hmm. It is a hidden sin. Mm-hmm. It is not conspicuous. That is something you can hide very well. 100%. But it will surface in almost every aspect of your life. You get married, it's going to... It's going to ruin your sex life. Heavy blow. Yeah, heavy blow to your sex life, your, your marriage life. It's going to open that door to sin to children, if you have children. Mm-hmm. Um, your, honestly, I would even say relationships with other people. Uh, well, you start, you start from on, on the men's side of things when it comes to looking at women on, on, in pornography. We won't even get into the other <laughs> aspect of oh, it. Yeah. But if you're looking at women in that sense, you're going to start looking at women when it comes to other people as objects. You're like, oh man, I could do what I, what I saw in that video, I could do to her. Or it would be really cool if I could. Or whatever. Yep. Like, you're going to start looking at people that way. Yep. And it does. And it, it taints your view, and it poisons your mind. I mean, it is the most detrimental. I honestly believe it is one of the most detrimental things that has come out of the internet. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, that's a really easy statement to make. That was really... I, I, I built that up so much to make a really dumb statement. Because, of <laughs> course, it's the most detrimental thing to come out of the internet. Yeah. All right. Let me rephrase that and to what I really meant. I think it, as far as sin goes, as far as... How, especially for men, corruption of things. It is the most detrimental thing you can be involved with. I really believe that. I mean, I, I think it is up there with heroin. It is up there Honestly, with meth. I, I mean, would, it's up there with the I hard drugs. I would rather drugs. someone be doing meth than pornography because meth is easier to get yourself off of. Well, and even I mean, it is. Well, Let's be honest. Even, okay, okay. We just opened something right. major here. Might as well. <laughs> okay, okay. Because a lot of people are going to hear that and say, "Excuse me." Okay. Looking at pornography, what is that? That is sexual sin. What does scripture say about sexual sin? Flee from it. What does it say? Don't about fight it. it. Don't stand up against it. Don't battle it. Yeah. Get get away. Get away. Run. Run away. What does it say about every other sin? Stand firm. Do not move. 
For me, that's a big distinction. Huge. So, with pornography, with sexual sin, what else does it say? It is the only sin that you commit against yourself, against God, and against somebody else. There's three things right there. Versus you're doing heroin, that it's bad, yes, but you're you're sinning against yourself, hurting yourself, you're hurting yourself. I mean, you're hurting your family, of course, and but True. that's emotional, right? And and not, <coughs> it, it, yes, it's, it's it's a huge distinction. It yeah. really is. Yeah. The the physical effects of of, of heroin are, are on you. Yeah. The 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 effects that you that you have when it comes to pornography or any kind of sexual sin ripples through everyone that everybody. you're in contact with. Everybody. Well, and for me, it goes to children. Because, again, okay, this is the, the thought process of, um, I, I forgot what it, it's called. It's actually called something. Um, I don't know where you're going around help. I know. It's the, <laughs> you're, you're opening a sin window to your home. Now, this could be anything sin-wise. Of course. But especially with pornography. You open a window into your home, allowing sin, but also allowing evil into your home. And now it, it is in within your home, and that door's wide open. And it doesn't, I mean, I, I, there, there is case study after case study that shows that, that it's not just a what, looking at a picture. It doesn't, it never stops it there. Stop there. That, it, that may be your first exposure, exposure to it, but at some point that stops working. Yeah. And you have to go on to the next thing. I mean... You have to take everything Ted Bundy said with a grain of salt. Not right. Ted, not Ted Bundy. Um, David Berkowitz, son of yeah. Sam. Yeah. You have to take everything he says with a grain of salt. So don't don't hear me saying I'm putting this as like this is exactly what he's whatever. But maybe it was Bundy. I don't remember. I don't know, man. Serial killer that interview with uh, uh, James Dobson the day before his execution. Focus on the family. I don't remember. Anyway, that guy. <laughs> I think it. That's, oh gosh, I'm I have to I have to Google this real quick. Because it's going to drive me nuts because I keep saying, uh, let's see, David, spell it right, first of all, David, nice spell Berkowitz. All right, whatever, I'm done. Uh, I don't have time for this. No, but seriously, there was an interview that one of these guys, right before his execution, gave with James Dobson, and he, the Focus on the Family guy, and he blamed pornography for a lot of his thing. He said, it started with a Playboy magazine where I just looked at a picture and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. But it escalated. And now, granted, I think this is an extreme case. And if he's telling the truth, it is a very extreme case. There's right. more wrong than justice, obviously. Right. However, it, it it got to where that wouldn't work. So he had to go to videos. Well, those soft videos didn't work anymore. Right. He had to go a little bit more extreme, then a little more violent, and then a lot more violent. And then it became a... And then he had to act out exactly. what he was watching on the screens. Well, and, and what is that? What is the reason for that? It is sin contorting and dis. De deforming what good God has made. Going back to creation, what did God tell Adam? Be fruitful, multiply, and take dominion over the earth. Being fruitful, multiplying, talk to any man. Requires sex. The sex drive that a man has versus the woman is substantially different. <laughs> I would even put out the, the marker here of saying half of the people here on earth would not be here if it weren't for man. Or that's <laughs> that's, a, that's not a bold statement at right all. <laughs> because of men. Because of the sex drive. Yeah, yeah. Men. That's what you're saying. Because the, the husband leads over to the wife. Because it does take a man and a woman. Do to... you wanna? Anyway. And she's like, no, I've got a headache. And the uh, husband's like, oh, man. Here's but some, eventually, things Here's go. some aspirin. 
Do you want to? <laughs> right. But no, the success of the man yeah. is so much more. And again, be fruitful and multiply. God has given in man that desire to procreate and keep life going. And so what happens when sin takes a hold of that? And especially when you, you introduce pornography. It, it goes rampant. And then you see people like Ted Bundy or whoever. Or Berkowitz. One of the ones. You, y'all, of y'all can fact check me. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I watched, I watched that interview in school uh, in a Bible class that I was in, in oh, school. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating stuff. Hmm. So, yeah. Again, the secret, the sins of others appear later. The hope is that when you're vetting these people, when you're, when you're actually doing your due diligence when it comes to saying, okay, is this person qualified to be a leader or an elder within this church? Right. Those sins are going to come out. Right. That's why it's important to take your time, not right. be so hasty, and be like, okay, let's actually vet this person and see if they can handle this position. Exactly. Yeah. None of us are worthy to have this position, let's be honest. Like, we all sin. Yeah. Your pastor sins. But is it habitual? Is it unrepentant yeah. is it blatant is it obvious or is it a he's gonna struggle like we all struggle but he's struggling for god well and what's the point in having these men being ordained the right way they are all together living life together and they're all holding each other accountable you have these solid men who have been ordained the right way vetted the right way so that they're able to look at each other and be that brother and be like what are you doing dude quit being stupid yeah and repent. No, 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 dummy. Yeah, exactly. So to finish this out, verse 25, the, the opposite side mm-hmm. of, so also good works are conspicuous. They are, they are noticeable. And even those that are not cannot remain hidden. So again, going back to the vetting process, you're watching these men uh, live, live life together. You're seeing their good works. Um, a lot of times it's even through their children. You're seeing good mm-hmm. works through their children. Um, but there are good works that people do that are not conspicuous, that they're not noticeable at the time, but they don't remain hidden. Right. At some point they will surface. And and that's not just, okay, say you, you gave a homeless man $1,000 and nobody knows. And all of a sudden one day that homeless man is now a millionaire and comes back and gives you <laughs> tenfold. Yeah. No. This is more of a fruit. Yeah, exactly. You have done something, a good work, that God has laid before you. Uh, I think that's Ephesians 5.10. And later down the road, that whatever that was, there the fruit comes later. And either that is your children. You, you poured into them, raised them up the way they should go, and they did not depart. So in their old age, they're raising their children up to be Christians too. That is... That is what it says, uh, it cannot remain hidden. Right. That is fruit, and that is good works that are now for sure. And like I said, as you're going through the vetting process in a proper way, and you're making sure you're not doing things in a hasty manner, you're going to notice the good the good works. You're going to notice the good fruit, even if they're not doing it in it. Like you said, they're not doing it in a conspicuous way. They're not being boastful. Like, ah, here's my good works. Right. It's a, they're just living their life, and that's yeah. natural. Natural fruit that comes from just living a life that you're trying to please God. Exactly. Your good works are not going to remain hidden. They're going to come come to light. Same with your sin, by the way. It's going to come to light. Maybe not in this life, but it's going to come to light. It's going to. It's going to happen. Sorry. That's, That's terrifying, actually. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so yeah, First Timothy 5. We have finished First Timothy 5. We are going to go into First Timothy 6. We're going to finish up this ch- uh, this book here pretty soon. Uh, probably maybe, maybe. two or three-ish episodes on First Timothy 6. I <laughs> uh, got a lot yeah, of stuff in there. Awesome. Big fan of the false teacher side of things. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to get into that. Probably going to be referencing Timothy 2 a lot. Yeah. So... Pretty exciting stuff, and we just we we love doing this. Is this these are my favorite episodes. I enjoy take not taking a break necessarily, but I enjoy going in, into some conversations. I, I I love doing cultural stuff and, and kind of getting into some of the what's happening in our world that we need to be aware of, yeah. and and we're gonna get back to that at some point soon. But I, I I just I enjoy just going through scripture verse by verse, seeing what it says. What can we do? How can we live in light of said yes. passage? Very good stuff. I hope it's been encouraging to you as we go through First Timothy. If you have not done so, hit subscribe on your Apple Podcast feed or your, or your uh, not YouTube, uh, Spotify feed. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, hit subscribe. That way it automatically downloads every Thursday when we post. That'd be awesome. Mine automatically downloads. You should too. So please do that. Give us a five-star review. Like us on social media. You'll find us anywhere. We're, we're there. Rooted in Logos. L-O-G-O-S. Rooted in Interact with us if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or buttles. We'd love to talk to you about any of those things. Oh, yeah. Come to us with some scriptures. See where we're wrong, where we're right. We'll tell you you're wrong, because you probably are, because we're way smarter than you. Kidding. I am kidding. That's a joke. Do not take that. <laughs> that stop it. I'm kidding. Totally kidding. It's a bad joke. You're totally right. <laughs> and Austin doubles down. All right. No. Um, so, yeah, we, we just thank you all for the support. Uh, continue to do so. Just by sharing the podcast, man. Just just share episodes that you find encouraging. Um, I know I have a couple friends that have started, that have recently told me they've started from the beginning. And they're just working their way through all 100 and now two episodes. Yeah. It's going to take you a while, but thank you for doing that. We appreciate it. If you hear this and it is like six months after we recorded it, good on you. We appreciate, we appreciate you, you <laughs> for doing so. But yeah, do that. Share some episodes with people that you that maybe, you know. They need an encouragement. They need something from what we've talked about. Maybe we brought something to light that they're like, oh, this person would find this interesting. Share the episode. Yeah. Just get out, get it out, get her name out there. See what happens. Anyway, thanks, guys. We will see you all next week. Not sure what we're going to discuss. It's, it's going to be fun. We'll see what happens next yeah. week. But we will see you all same time, same channel. In the meantime, stay rooted. rooted.